This morning's scripture is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Isaiah, chapter 6, 6 through 8. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. Good morning and welcome again on such a beautiful day. We're grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking today at the sixth chapter of Isaiah. I would call your attention to Isaiah chapter 6. We'll be looking at this chapter in just a moment or two. We want to thank all who are present today, particularly our visitors. We're grateful for your presence. It's good to see Brother Dio back with us today. We're glad that he's able to be out. I do also want to just mention very quickly that last night we had a banquet honoring our seniors and the young people served. It was a Valentine banquet and they did an outstanding job and we appreciate each and every one of them so much. We appreciate also the cooks and those who made preparation for everything last night. The food was excellent and I know that everyone who was there enjoyed the food and the fellowship and we want to uh, certainly express appreciation to all who were a part of such a great evening. It might be the case that you're here today and you're looking for a church home. As always, we invite you to consider the work here. We would more than be happy to have you join hands with us. I know that the elders would love to sit down and talk with you about the many opportunities for service in this congregation. In our lesson today, I want us to think for a moment or two about the theme, Missionaries Needed. Typically, when we think about a missionary, we think about individuals that travel to foreign or distant lands to teach and preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. But what I want us to do is think more locally. And what I would challenge us to consider today is the fact that as a child of God, as a Christian, all of us have an innate responsibility to share the gospel with others. We have been blessed immeasurably because of what Christ has done for us on Calvary. We enjoy the cleansing power of His blood. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 1, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In Ephesians 1, verses 6 and 7. In light of the fact that God has blessed us in such a great way, it would only stand to reason that we would view ourselves as somewhat of, of a debtor, that we are indebted to the Lord and thus want to make known the story of the cross to others. And so today I want to call your attention to Isaiah, the sixth chapter, and I want us to just think for a moment or two about the theme, Missionaries Needed. And there are three things that I want to call your attention to as we look at Isaiah's experience as recorded in chapter 6, bear in mind that Isaiah has been called the statesman prophet. And he wrote some 700 years before Jesus made his entrance into the world. In a very vivid and graphic way, Isaiah 
portrays the coming of the Christ. Isaiah here is called upon to be a man of service for the Lord. And so today we too are called upon to be servants of the Most High God. The first thing that I call your attention to is the fact that we must look up. Isaiah looked up. And in looking up, he saw the manifestation of Almighty God. Really what he saw was the exalted Lord. And so look, if you would, in verse 1 beginning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Anytime we contemplate the nature of God, one thing that ought to come to mind is the fact that God is indeed high and lifted up. Isaiah would say over in chapter 55, speaking of Almighty God, My ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is high and lifted up when we enter into His presence. For example, in worship. One of the things that we're called upon to do is recognize that we are in the presence of Almighty God. The word worship means acts of reverence paid to deity. We are bowing in the presence of Jehovah God. We reflect upon the fact that He is indeed high and lifted up. That His glory, as Isaiah would say, fills all the earth. The psalmist would say over in Psalm 95 at verse 6, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And so in looking up, Isaiah saw a manifestation of God. He saw the exaltation of the Lord. And so... He viewed the Lord as one who was high and lifted up, but also he saw the Lord as holy. The Bible says above it stood the seraphim. Seraphim were were simply or are simply angelic beings, a special class of angelic beings. And these angelic beings, the Bible says, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And the Bible says in verse 3, one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. God is a holy being. Over and over again, the scriptures tell us that God is a holy being. And one of the things that is distasteful to God is sin, unrighteousness. Well, this holy being, the one that we are called upon to worship, is reflected throughout Scripture as holy. In Psalm 99, the psalmist calls upon us to worship the Lord. In verse 1 he said, the Lord reigneth. Again, we think about the exaltation of the Lord. In verse 9 of that same chapter, He said, exalt the Lord our God, worship at His holy hill, for the Lord is holy. In that chapter, three times the psalmist underscores the holiness of God. And so this being that Isaiah had the opportunity to see, that being being Almighty God, is high and lifted up, and He is holy. 
But then also note his evaluation. I said just a moment ago that the seraphim, one cried to the other and exclaimed, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. But note if you would, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out and the house was filled with smoke. Here we think about the honor of Almighty God. The world, everything that we see in the world ultimately brings honor and glory to God. The psalmist said, The heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth His handiwork. Isaiah would say over in chapter 43 at verse 7, that we have been created for God's glory. Isaiah understood, these angelic beings as well understood, that the whole earth is a reflection of the glory of Almighty God. And I would just remind you that as children of God, as people that have been blessed to be a part of the church, that we exist today to bring honor and glory to God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. The works that we engage in, they too are performed to bring honor and glory to God. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, Let your good works be seen before men that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we think about Isaiah and the fact that first of all he looked up, but then secondly he looked inward. You and I, we look up and we look in. What did Isaiah see when he looked inward? I would suggest that he saw the mercy of God. Note what is said in verse 5. Isaiah, upon seeing God high and lifted up, upon seeing the train of his robe filling the temple and these angelic beings crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The Bible says that Isaiah took examination of his own life he said woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts his cry Isaiah recognized that he was unclean one of, one of the things that worship affords us the in a very clear way is our unworthiness and the superiority of Almighty God. We talk about the holiness of God and we think about His mercy and grace and love and all of His attributes. And then we see ourselves. We understand that we have been made in His image and likeness according to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. But because of sin, we have been separated from Almighty God. Again, Isaiah in chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. We talk about how sin separates us from God. Isaiah saw the Lord. In this great vision, he caught a glimpse of the Lord of hosts. 
And in this glimpse of God, he saw himself. And the view that he had of himself was that of unworthiness, uncleanness. All of us today recognize that sin has separated us from Almighty God. And thus we, like Isaiah, stand in need of cleansing. And so listen to what is said in verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this hath touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. So we have his cry and then his cleansing to know that God in his graciousness and goodness and love and mercy was willing to cleanse the unclean. Is that not the case today? When we look at ourselves, the Bible talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, examine yourselves. When we take spiritual inventory of our own lives, we understand that is what separates us from the presence of God. And yet through the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we enjoy reconciliation in the one body. We are said to be redeemed by the blood of Christ, Ephesians 1, verse 7. Christ reconciled us in one body unto God through the cross, Ephesians 2, verse 16. We enjoy peace with God, that peace made possible by the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah would speak of in Isaiah chapter 9, at verse 6. Well, Isaiah had the privilege of having his iniquities, his sins, purged. And to think that you and I today, through the cleansing blood of Christ, can, en can enjoy the blessings of forgiveness. Our words, our deeds, are what mar us in the presence of God. And yet Jesus, through His shed blood, makes it possible for us to enjoy salvation. And so Isaiah looked up, he looked in, but then in the third place, he looked out. Note now verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I would call your attention to the fact that we have here the term us, plural, which gives insight into the Godhead. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about, or we are introduced to the Godhead. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, of course, would be revealed later. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we have the promised seed announced. But the Spirit of God involved in the creation account as recorded by Moses. But here the question is asked, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Maybe we do not have with clarity the Godhead spelled out as we do in the New Testament. But nonetheless, we do read about the Godhead in the Old Testament. And here's what Isaiah said. Here am I, send me. When Isaiah looked out, he came face to face with the mission of God. 
The voice that was heard was a voice that called him to service. Listen again. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? The call to service. Is it not the case when you reflect back on God's dealings with mankind in the patriarchal age, the Mosaic dispensation, even in the Christian age, that God has always looked for individuals to serve Him, to serve His purposes, to engage in His work. Well, here we have Isaiah being called to service. And here's the question that you and I might ask. What can we do? Isaiah heard the voice of Almighty God. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? God was calling him to service. God could use and did use Isaiah in a very specific way at a, at a very specific point in time in history. And God can use us today. In Matthew chapter 9 we read about Jesus saying, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers, he said, are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. What are some things that you and I can do? God needs he needs our talents or our abilities. What are some things that God has called upon us to do? Well, first of all, He's called upon us to be evangelistic in nature. The Lord's desire is that every one of us would be evangelistic in our daily endeavors. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel is universal in scope. Everyone needs the gospel message. It's not just the responsibility of preachers or elders or deacons, but rather it is the responsibility of every child of God to be evangelistic. We have the opportunity to come into contact with numerous people on a daily basis. It may be on the job. It might be through an acquaintance at work or while we're engaged in some type of hobby. It might be at school. It might be in our neighborhood. Wherever we are, we can make a difference for the cause of Christ if we will but speak a good name for Jesus. Paul said when he wrote to the church at Corinth, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord. We have to train ourselves to be evangelistic in nature. But then also... We can be involved in good works, those works of benevolence, those works of encouragement. In Galatians chapter 6 at verse 2, Paul said, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We know that we are to be encouraging to others. One of the ways that, that we in, engage in the work of edification is through teaching and encouragement. And then we also minister to the needs of others. Like Jesus talked about in Matthew 25. When He said, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and in prison and you came and visited me. Well, these are ways that you and I can minister 
or be involved in the service of the Lord's church. But I want you to note a second thing. We talk about the voice heard, but note if you would the voice heeded. Again, Isaiah heard the voice. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He said, Here am I, send me. And the Lord said, Go and tell this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their ears, or rather see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. The challenge of service. I will freely confess to you, it is a challenge to be involved in the work of the Lord. Not only is it a challenge to me, it is a challenge to all of us. All of us as Christians have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 2 verse 10. And in the good works that we perform, ultimately the church brings honor and glory to God, according to Ephesians 3 at verse 21. I asked a question a moment ago, what can you do? But I want to ask a second question. In light of the fact that this voice was heeded, when Isaiah heard the question, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. And God said, Go. And if you read this book, you'll see that Isaiah complied with the wishes of his God. And the question is, will we comply with the will of Almighty God? Will we do what He has asked us to do? Now, I said a moment ago that the theme of our study today is missionaries needed. And I want to ask each and every one of us to view ourselves as a missionary for the cause of Christ. Maybe we're not going to go to some foreign land. We are very grateful for individuals that have spent their life's work on foreign soil. I appreciate individuals that have done what they could in distant lands, on distant shores, in places where people have not had the opportunity to hear about New Testament Christianity. But what we have to do is view ourselves as a missionary. Wherever we go, whether it be in this city, or whether it be in Memphis or some other location, we need to see ourselves as a missionary of the Lord. I said just a moment ago, the challenge of service. And the challenge of service could be summed up in this question. What will you do? I asked the question a moment ago, what can you do? But more importantly, what will you do? What are you going to do? All of us have been blessed by a loving God to enjoy life. Now the psalmist said, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Psalm 90 at verse 12. We live in a world that is comprised of 24-hour days, seven days in a week. Well, how are we going to use our time and our talents to benefit the cause of Christ? We have to think evangelistically. We have to see every person outside the body of Christ as a prospect, as somebody who needs to hear the gospel of Christ. Maybe we're shy. Maybe we are intimidated to talk to others about Christ. Let me just say this. Maybe you do not feel confident in sitting down and talking to somebody about the gospel. 
I would encourage you to begin equipping yourself to do so. To become, as Paul would say, apt to teach. To have a competency level that would enable you to sit down and talk to somebody about their soul. But here's what, I, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask each and every one of us to think about one person. I want you to think about one person that you can bring to the services of the church the 28th of this month. That'll give you a couple of weeks. You identify one person. That's all, that's all I'm asking. Just identify one person. And begin working now to get that person to come to worship with you. What's that going to accomplish? Number one, it's going to get their foot in the door. It might be the case that if they come one time, they'll want to come back. There have been people since, I think about just in the short time that I've been here. I think about families that have visited with us, individuals that have visited and they visit, and then they make a return visit, and then they visit again. And before you know it, what happens? Well, they're hooked, and they want to become a part of us. They're not going to become a part of us if we don't ask. One of the, one of the things that I appreciate about Eddie and Wendy Archer is the fact that they are constantly inviting people to worship and Bible study. And I do not say this to embarrass them, but it's the truth. If all of us had the heart that they, that they manifest in encouraging others to come to worship and Bible study, let me tell you what, we would fill this building with people. I see them at the gym every night. And let me tell you, at the gym, he's working on people. Wherever he is... Eddie's working on that's That's the way we have got to think. think. Think about, surely you've got a friend or a family member, a neighbor, an acquaintance, somebody that you know that you can bring to services. Now again, we think about this, this theme, missionaries needed. The Lord needs us. He can use us. If you don't feel comfortable sitting down and talking to someone, just get them here. If you get them here, I promise you, we'll teach them. We'll teach them the gospel. We have enough people that can, can sit down and engage in one-on-one -on -one Bible studies. But we're not going to evangelize and grow spiritually and numerically if we do not engage in the work of the church. That's wonderful when people place membership. But the early church, they grew through evangelism. That's how we have to grow, evangelism. Think about what Luke said in Acts chapter 8. The Bible speaks of that great persecution that swept the early church. In verse 5, the Bible says, Those who were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the Word. The Gospel is the good news of Christ. It's God's power to salvation. I believe that the Word of God is as powerful today as it was in the days of Paul. The Hebrew writer said that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God will do its job if we'll only allow it to. Here's what Isaiah said in chapter 55. God's Word will not return to Him void. Now listen, if we get people 
in this building and they hear the gospel, it just might be they'll want to become a New Testament Christian. But they're not going to become New Testament Christians if they do not hear the truth of Almighty God. And so I want to challenge you today. In the next couple of weeks, begin thinking about somebody that you can bring with you. I don't want this to be a one-time occurrence. You know, we do it the 28th and then we just quit. But I want us to, to begin thinking this way. And then we want to build on that. But the point is, we want to encourage people to come. Now let me tell you what. If you and I can't bring one person to the services of the church, something's wrong. Surely we've got one person that we can encourage to come. The Lord needs you. He needs you to be faithful and fruitful. He needs you to be involved in evangelism. And so that's why I'm saying the Lord needs missionaries. If you'll start viewing yourself as a missionary for the Lord, you'll be surprised what influence you'll have in this community. Just say the right thing at the right time, and who knows? One day there may be people in heaven because of your influence. What about you today? Isaiah was the right man for the right task. And I would hope and pray that all of us would have the spirit of Isaiah. And that spirit is simply this, Lord, use me in your service. Use whatever talents or abilities I possess, use them to your good and your glory. God can use you. It may be the case that you're here today, maybe you're not a Christian. What we want to do is encourage you to remember that Christ died for you. He died for everyone. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The love story of the cross reminds us that Christ died for the ungodly, Romans 5, verse 8. If you're here today and you're not a member of the Lord's church, here's what you need to do. First of all, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, verse 24. The Lord said, if you die in your sins where I am, there you can't come. And then would you be willing to repent, turn from a life of sin, as Jesus said in Luke 13, 3. Confess His name before others, Matthew 10, 32. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2, verse 38. The Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. And if you live faithfully until death, the promise is the crown of life, Revelation 2, at verse 10. Maybe you're here today, maybe you've not been faithful to the cause of Christ. Maybe you've not been productive like the Lord has asked of you. Well, the beauty of Christianity is that we have the opportunity to pray with you and for you with the assurance that God will abundantly pardon. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another. Could we pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?